Welcome to Supplier Experience Live from Hicks, where we explore all the latest topics, trends, and discussion points in the world of procurement, procurement technology, and supplier experience management. My name is Duncan Clark, and welcome to the podcast. Today, we're heading to Andover to speak to Daniel Barnes. Daniel's expertise lies in bringing procurement and commercial teams in line with the wider company aims, with the objective of, to use Daniel's words, creating a ton of value, building robust supply chains, analyzing spend, and ensuring your contract terms aren't war and peace for the sake of it. Daniel is also the founder of World of Procurement, an online resource that helps to bring this knowledge to those that need it and to benefit the community. So welcome, Daniel, and thank you very much for taking the time out to join us for the discussion today. Hey, no worries, Duncan. That was a, a, <laughs> a far uh, better intro than I could have put together and probably a little bit uh, uh, above and beyond what I, what I can actually do as a, a professional. Brilliant. Well, uh, well, thanks for that. So look, first of all, um, just to set the scene a little bit for, uh, for the listeners, could you tell us a bit more about your background and all the things that led up to the establishment of World of Procurement? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so uh, yeah, procurement wasn't always my, my initial focus. When I was at uni, I was looking to get into law. So I specialized in commercial law undergrad, then went postgrad, commercial law, intellectual property law, a load of other wonderful things, including cyber law. That was kind of my interest. I actually wanted to be an academic initially and just lecture uh, about law. And just, I thought it'd be kind of cool. Then I looked at how much lecturers earn and I thought actually it might not be so cool. And I, I found a cool commercial job. And by commercial, I mean procurement, commercial supply chain, the, the whole piece within government and kicked off my sort of procurement career that way. And I've just been doing that ever since. And going through all of these roles, I noticed like people do things fairly similar across all parts of procurement. People like to say, oh, we do things so differently in this category or we do things so differently in indirect. Right. Actually, a lot of skills are quite transferable. And I thought it'd be cool to bring together some resources uh, just to help people learn um, that are kind of like my age, right? So I'm, I'm 29. When I say up, I was, what, 28 or something. And I, I kind of thought, where's a good place for sort of millennial people and maybe even Gen Z in the future to come see content that isn't really boring? Like uh, I, I was actually, I had a look in the in the space and so much of the content was really dry, really dull. And it was so full of business jargon and it kind of like not, nothing was native and nothing and, and what, what I mean by that was like everything was like from one source and it was just sort of chucked on every website possible uh there wasn't any really well thought out content apart from a couple of people like to be fair so like art of procurement and uh, negotiations ninja were two of the resources I really enjoyed listening to but I thought I could do a little bit of a twist on it so yeah that's that's kind of why I started world of procurement at the time as well I was also working as a consultant and it was cool just to I put some time into that potentially as a, a lead generator, but I'm not doing that now because uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I had no interest doing that long term. That's kind of it really there. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And I'd love to dive into a little bit more detail then around world of procurement. Uh, you, you've mentioned some of the reasons for the establishment of world of procurement there. Um, but if you could just tell us a little bit more about what people could expect from it, what's on there, um and uh, what they can sure. what they can learn yeah so world procurement like the focus is a podcast like what we're doing right now so interviewing guests who are 
very knowledgeable or experts. I don't throw around the expert term too too often though. Like I think too many there's too many self-proclaimed experts in every field. So uh, that's something I avoid. But getting people who know their stuff, who can provide good case studies, or actually are like where we can just maybe have a bit of a chat about something a bit more like theoretical, right? Like I mentioned, um, I quite like the idea of becoming an academic, and I think having conversations that are more academic are sometimes very important. We get so focused on, you know, very practical ways of working, like how should we be doing things in um, more of it in a present tense. And I also think it's very cool to talk about more um, abstract uh, ideas. So there's a guy I speak to called Kartik. You should actually get him on this podcast. He's been, he's based in India and he's it's probably not good to contact him just yet on, on that considering what's going on there with COVID. Uh, but but we 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 what we we do we we get together occasionally and we we call it we nerd out about contracts we just talk uh, you could say nonsense for thirty minutes or so but we like just to talk about like where contracts are going in procurement some of the challenges maybe blockchain uh, new technologies and things like that and I wanted a place where people could just come and listen or come read uh, about things like that as well so very practical uh, this is how you can do it sort of more theory based or just really cool case studies of how, how to do things. But with a bit more of a an emphasis on like, you know, for people my my age who aren't necessarily leaders in their organizations just yet, or maybe they're, they're just pushing for that, just so they've got a bit more knowledge when they get there, like they've, they've heard other people, how they've done it and have that in their back pocket. Fantastic. Well, you'll be pleased to know um, Kartik is actually featuring on the uh, on this podcast series. So uh, we've ticked that box. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And I also saw on World of Procurement, actually, a recent article that you pulled together on the ingredients that define what some of the top procurement leaders and teams do. And you mentioned business alignment um, within that. I'd love to dive into a little bit more what you mean by the business alignment side of things. Sure. That's um, it's, it's actually a really easy one for me. So, and I'll, I'll give a bit of context as to why I, I talk on this. Is uh, when I was working as a consultant, and this was just myself going around to various large defense companies. Um, I would get into procurement teams or more commercial teams who kind of it felt like had their own agendas, right? They they were trying to do stuff, and they were it felt like they were constantly battling constantly battling the the rest of the business on things so whether it was you know due to a, a poor communication between teams not having the right objectives in place as a, as a business it kind of just felt like they were there maybe they were more focused on savings or maybe they were focused on a very what i would call like traditional procurement uh methodology and i by the way like i, I don't want to like get anyone rattled here i still think savings and all of that is very good stuff that procurement is bread and butter for but if your business is trying to get a new product out to market very quickly, maybe the emphasis isn't necessarily going to be on spending months and months trying to negotiate a small percentage in in, um, in a, a discount on a, on various components or software. Maybe it is just making sure the risk appetite uh, is, is set, that your contracts and your requirements are well scoped out, so you haven't got any issues, and you work with the business. Work with the business. So your first point of call is. What do the business need and how can we solve that rather than we're procurement professionals this is what we do this is how we're going to solve that this is just a a very nuanced distinction i find um and i almost found that many people thought they were serving the business when they went into their businesses 
and and they really weren't they weren't listening to what the business wanted you had no and i'm going to avoid this term but just to give it context people say that seat at the table and i I hate this terminology like it's the worst thing like let's just get rid of that terminology but no one had access to the people who were making the decisions um, or who could influence the way in which they should be doing things so just yeah that's kind of what i mean so having very good communication and actually asking the business what do you need from us we'll go away and do that but also at the the same time you need to make them aware of that traditional uh, side of things of what we can do so maybe it's just Maybe we could call it just thinking more strategically within procurement. Maybe it's talking about value-adding exercises. I think all of these are relevant, but it's just very much working towards what the business wants and not what traditional procurement professionals might think their job is. And what I love about uh, World of Procurement is the emphasis that you've placed on the importance of learning. And that comes through in in the background and and your description of what brought all of this together but of course there's lots of things to learn so I think perhaps we need to break this up a little bit perhaps into focused areas and I'd be interested to know from your perspective what areas of learning do you see as especially important or what are your tips really for approaching that? So um, this might be a a more of a not a maybe a controversial maybe maybe that's not the right word but I'd actually say non-procurement based skills. And what what do I mean by that? The way I'm looking at new technologies on the market, I can't see the need for a lot of procurement roles moving forward. I genuinely don't see the need for a lot of even procurement manager, like typical roles, like what are they adding beyond what is is coming or what's already here that isn't already being implemented by businesses. So I actually think learning how to utilize these technologies, and I don't necessarily mean like code, but understanding the technologies that underpin it, how to get the most out of it is a really good way to do it. Um, like I've been looking into things like blockchain and I think, and and, and this is where uh, I think a lot of people get concerned. They say like, well, how's, how, how's blockchain going to be used? Like, I don't want to learn how to code or anything. You don't need to know that. Like all the software that's going to implement it in the future, you're not going to have to understand blockchain to the nth degree. It will just sit there behind all the user interface doing its thing. But I think it's good to have an appreciation for how these technologies work and what they're giving you. So when when you're having these conversations in the business, like how can we make, and, I, and this is a slight aside, but a lot of the efforts, uh, I think, uh, in a lot of teams at the moment, is how can we do things better? Well, if you can, if you're well studied and you've done a lot of reading, you've engage with people and say on blockchain you might know of a uh, a contracts company for example that has a SaaS product that uses blockchain to underpin it and you know then that you've got a far better audit trail of all your contracts and that all the information is going to be far better captured than maybe using the, the your current approach so i think that's a really good one just thinking about where are we going in the future and uh like i um oh i've forgotten that i was just going to quote like an author here and i was just looking to my to my bookcase and I don't have I don't I don't have his book there. <laughs> it was just so it's Yuval Noah Nora Uhari. He wrote Sapiens, but he wrote this book called uh, Twenty One Questions for the Twenty First Century or something. And in that that book, it kind of talks to this, and I, I think that's a very good vision in terms of what anyone should be doing, not just procurement people. Um, but then on top of that, like resources like what we're doing now, making a making a podcast talking about a range of topics, a range of information points. It's a really good way to 
uh, digest information. And I look at this kind of in, in two forms, like you've got passive and active content. So this is like quite passive, right? You can go out for a run and listen to a whole range of topics presented to, to you. And I was going to say by experts or knowledgeable people or people who just have a message to share. That isn't necessarily a sales based approach <laughs> always, but, you know, genuine information. And then you've got like the more active content, which is things like like Clubhouse would be a new one, I would suggest, like people going into like a live room and just maybe presenting issues uh, that they've got and just kind of talking out. I think that's a really good learning point because uh, you can, I think when you group minds together, that's a good way to learn. So, I, uh, and, and you probably noticed everything I've kind of just said here is not the sort of traditional way of learning. I'm not talking about going to school. I've actually not even mentioned doing SIPs, which I know I see a lot of MZIPs, FZIPs now actually people and I, I'm like partway through my my SIPs course like I see some value doing it I might go back to it I think it's a, a tick box exercise almost now with the the accreditation um, and just getting those those letters after your name so I think thinking a little bit less traditional and using content like podcasts YouTube videos uh, LinkedIn videos articles just becoming well-read and well-versed around areas outside of your your, your expertise is a good way to do things. I think it makes you a better uh, professional, a better person. Well, look, I 100% agree on the book recommendations. So uh, it's great to hear that that come up. Um, you also mentioned a lot there about technology, but another common thread of conversation is around this statement of procurement needs to understand how it can better support business goals. Um, and I just wondered, what's your take on that? Yeah, I think to me, this very much also aligns with that. Um, I, hate, I hate that I've just said aligns and I'm going to say it again, but this very much aligns to the alignment to a business point. So um, in the team, say like I, I didn't normally talk about where I work too often, but say in the team that I currently work, our objectives aren't set necessarily within the procurement team or our supply management team. They're set elsewhere and we work to the business objectives. So that comes from the CEO and the board and everything down. And then on top of that, we, we, we look to have various little improvements that we make within our team. But our core focus is on the, those business goals. And I, I, I might be going off on a tangent here, but my, my thoughts are on this, that procurement are very unlikely to, to have too much influence over business goals. The business goals, if your business isn't setting the goals for your procurement team and it's leaving it to procurement, that's not a good way to do things. And I think those businesses are going to find it very challenging. Um, especially if they're in a product-based market or software-based market, if the goals aren't coming from the very top, as with most of these things, right? And it's an easy thing to say, but I very much believe it that leadership's there for a reason. They set the the goals, and I know we have leaders within, let's say, functions or teams or whatever. But ultimately, they're not the people with the control. You can have a if, if you if you have a CPO or a director of procurement or something like they have they have normally have a good amount of control, but they still normally re re report into someone else, the CFO or you know, uh, another board member or, or something. I, I, it depends on the makeup, but that's where the decision making needs to be. And then procurement, and they, this is where the tie-in comes, need to align with the business here to achieve those goals. I think it's, 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 you know, it's a very simple thing and I, I, I see it missing in so many businesses. I think it's poor communication uh, a lot of the time. I think the last year has actually been really good for some places because they've been forced to adopt you know tools like what we're on we're on teams right now slack um zoom <laughs> everyone hates zoom but but what 
it, it, it's it's allowed people to talk a lot more and i think also other platforms so you've got notion confluence a lot of businesses use to state like oh th these are our goals and this is how we expect you to work towards them and it's very easy to track things if you're still doing things very manually or sending an email out to your your team saying this is what we want to achieve this year cool but how, how are you going to do that if that's not thought out from the top down like to me you're screwed just <laughs> I, I don't think procurement uh can really influence that and i think it's it's not what we should be doing as procurement people. I think we should just be supporting the business's aims and, and goals. And if they're not setting them, I, I think it's just a bad place to be in, if I'm being honest. And I know people will say, yeah, but we, we can influence them. We can talk with the business to do that. Yeah. I, I don't disagree with that. I just think it's a, a lost cause a lot of the time. And you mentioned earlier on about driving down cost and the savings aspect and Let's take it as accepted that that is important, as, as you say. But equally, yeah. there has been more of a conversation taking place around a focus on supplier relationships or collaboration or some of those aspects. Has that been coming through also in some of the conversations that you've been having with industry experts? And Yeah, I, I, I think so. And I think this has been probably coming for quite a few years. And I know like people, I can't remember who it was that coined SRM, supply relationship management, as a as a phrase, and I know some softwares. There's a lot of uh, people have made software to 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 enable that. Um, I I think it just makes sense, right? Like uh, we 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 don't want to, and I think COVID showed this. Like if you've got transactional relationships, as soon as anything bad happens within uh, global supply chains, you lose those transactional relationships. But where you get the value is from the suppliers that you've got a good relationship. Where maybe as well and and this is where I think this whole savings and cost reduction element is important to consider where you've not hammered them every year for crazy discounts that have just affected their bottom line every more where they're not going to bother with you as much. And I, I and I think it is important to do that work. I think it's important to understand that the other from their perspective, they're a business as well. They need to make money. And uh, it's, it's just a very bad knock on effect. Um, yeah, I don't know if I'm really answering that question very well there, Duncan. <laughs> no, I think uh, I think you're right. I think that's spot on. Um, and I'd also like to know, actually, some of the other uh, hot topics and trends that you're seeing. Again, you're in a privileged position to be able to have all of these conversations with people in the industry. H have we covered them all here, or are yeah. there any others that you would say um, are also coming to the fore? Sure, yeah, I think there's uh, probably a few more. Um, data, always data. Data, data is everything at the moment. And I think uh, a lot of people listening will appreciate that the data that they're probably seeing in their business isn't that great or it could be better. And I think, you know, a lot of conversations I have on a daily basis are, you know, uh, can, we, can we make our data better? Can we be get better metadata from various sources? How, what, what can we do with this data? Like, what is it telling us? How can we pull reports? Can we get something to show us our almost like a health check, right? Like if you've got good data, you understand the the, the current health of your, let's call it supply chain. Uh, you understand your suppliers, you might. And I look at this um, from maybe a bit more of a unique perspective um, as, I, as I don't really do too much day-to-day -to -day procurement now and I'm more focused on the contracts. But I, how I look at this, and it's there with my visuals here in terms of like, I'm going to try and paint a picture. I kind of look at this as like a massive spider diagram. So you have, your company and below it, you have the, the whole web of all your suppliers. Without good data, you can't see that. 
And I also look at it from another perspective is that web of, web of contracts, right? So within your supply chain, you have various contracts with various suppliers and they're normally also interwoven with similar or same suppliers within your own supply chain to provide you with all the services. And if you don't have good data, if you don't have good terms that enable you to get good data, because you can use a contract, not just to ensure performance, but to get data from your, your suppliers. That's how I like to do things. So uh, regular performance information, who are you using within your supply chain uh, to subcontract work to you? What kind of work are they providing? You then build up a very good picture of other suppliers who can do work for you. And you don't necessarily have to go through that same supplier again. You can just go straight to those other suppliers, especially if the, the supplier effectively is almost like a prime, like they're just there and they're just managing those suppliers. So if you've got the resource or the technology, and I think technology is a good one here to focus on, uh, you can, I, I think you can drive some really good benefits there uh, within your own supplier ecosystem, let's call it. Well, look, I know you're extremely busy with contracts at the moment. You mentioned it there. But uh, aside from that, what's what's next for you and what can people look forward to? And also, where can they connect, uh, continue the, the discussion with you and, and follow all of your stuff? Yeah, sure, Duncan. For me, like, I, it was a, I, I, I like the questions you sent over, actually, and I, I looked at this one. And you, in terms of what next, not much, actually. It's just much more um, of the same. And I feel like, say with the, the procurement podcast, the World of Procurement as a project, um, in terms of what next, I actually very much want to make that a, a media-based entity uh, where we're just making content for procurement supply chain contract management people. And I would love to turn that into a, a full-time gig. And I think I've still got a bit of work, right? So I, I've been focused very much on how can I get the content out to more and more people? LinkedIn is a very good way to do that. But LinkedIn organic traffic and everything is it's starting to fall away. So it's just trying to make exciting content that is that people are going to click on without it being too clickbaity. Because I did a clickbait one the other day and it was funny watching the absolute horror of people not read the article and just go all out at me. And I, I mean, I kind of liked it in a way because it's funny. It showed that it worked. Um, but I try and avoid that kind of marketing uh, if I can. But that's kind of like the, the end vision for World of Procurement. So it's just how to make better podcasts, make better articles. I want to, I, I kind of made that distinction between active and passive content. All the content I make now is passive. So anyone can listen to it, read it, watch it in their in their own time. And that's very intentional because I don't have <laughs> I don't have enough time to sit on Clubhouse for an hour and a half a day on top of work and everything else that I'm doing uh, to make that kind of content or go onto Twitch, like, or go onto LinkedIn Live. And I, I, it might be interesting, I said Twitch there, which is traditionally a gaming uh, platform, but I think there's a lot of opportunity to use other platforms now for this, this kind of content. Um, so that, that's very much it. And in terms of my work life, I just, uh, I take it each day as it is really, I, I don't have, I know some people will say like they want to be a chief procurement officer, they want to become a, a director of some sorts. I know I, I originally thought that. I'm not sure if I, I uh, that that would work for me going forward. I think it's a crazy amount of work. Maybe not for enough money to come in back as an employee. <laughs> That's my my honest view on it. At least in the UK, right? There with other places in the world. I think the US has a crazy. Uh, there's a crazy difference in salaries from what I've seen. Like uh, I, I saw a role the other day for. Uh, a procurement manager paying up to $220,000 for effectively a, not the most complex of categories either. Uh, and I found that insane. 
Um, so yeah, like career-wise, not too sure. I think a lot of my focus is going to be going on world of procurement, just making it better, working sort of morning and night and on my lunch breaks like I am now to talk with people like yourself uh, just to grind out as much content and hopefully help people. Right? Like, I talk about like I want it to make it a business, which obviously is good because that makes me money. But I only want that so that I can put more effort into it. If I'm freed up to to make more content, I almost think it's scary how much I would be able to put out there to help people or the types of people I could get on to, to have conversations with. So yeah, that, that, that's kind of it for me. And in terms of where people can find me, they can you know just type in World of Procurement on Google, worldofprocurement.co.uk, like stuff will come up everywhere. Um, and I'm on LinkedIn, so like people can connect with me there. It's probably the easiest place. I'm on like a billion places, but I'm kind of half-hearted on, on a lot of them. Well, that's brilliant because it sounds like you'll you'll be easy to find, and certainly, I, I think that's a, a great answer because the, the content that's coming through on World of Procurement, I think, is super helpful. So I would say absolutely, definitely keep keep that coming, and uh, and we'll look out for that. So thank you so much, Daniel, for uh, for joining us today. It's been good. Like I, I don't only jump on other people's podcasts. Like this is probably the second or third podcast that i've actually been a guest it's so so much weirder right like when you're not the the, the host right. and, you, and you go on someone's podcast and then suddenly it's it's almost like you're being interrogated in a very nice manner it's uh, it's a very nice it's a, it's a cool experience so it's good for me because i can uh then get kind of put myself in the, the guest shoes when they're on my podcast like how, how is that going for them so it's, it's a, this has been great like i like what you guys are doing so it's good fun Fantastic. Well, brilliant. Thank you so much. And uh, Daniel, we'll check in again very soon. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please don't forget to hit the like or subscribe button. Or for more information about us, visit our website, www.pix.com.